Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Mission, 
uh, himself working with, of course, Mo and working with the late great Vesper, better known then as Mabel. Also coming up, we will have a good old buddy Chris, the other Chris Miller from Bleach Report, joining us as we talk about Backlash, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, and of course our headlines. So much to talk about in the world of professional wrestling. I want to give a shout out once again to Chris Featherstone, the man himself, listening, recuperating. Of course, I will be taking over four pancakes and power slams. Hopefully next week, uh, Lord gives him strength. He will be back in the captain's chair, and I'll be in the co-captain's chair. But without any further ado, we're going to bring in right now the man himself, the, the man who, who not peeing news, but the man who bought freestyling, brought freestyling into the world of professional wrestling. Rap, the man who was a part of the New Day actually told on the predecessors of the New Day and a bunch of other great three-man tag teams. I'm bringing it right now, none other than my good personal friend and friend in the business, and Chris Featherstone, none other than Oscar from Men on the Mission. Welcome, brother. Uh, hey, man, how you doing? Uh, my first thing is, how is a show called Pancakes and anything at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm sure, uh, Chris Featherstone, I'm sure you can message me <laughs> and let me know um, about pancakes. Uh, pancakes yeah, tell him back on, this is back there. His back don't hurt that bad. Tell him to call us and explain that one. Uh, I, I, and, and <laughs> I eat cereal at 10, 10, 11 o'clock at night with pancakes. That's a brand new one. Pancakes and power slams. All right, I see what you need to do. They get the idea to have pancakes going around. Chris, you need a check. <laughs> yes, and, and and the sad thing is, uh, Featherstone, uh, Pancakes and Power Slams was going on way before, of course, the new D me, air quote, flapjacks or pancakes, to put it on what area you live in, um, definitely famous. Uh, back when Davey uh, Woods was a constitutional That's where they get the idea. Chris, you need a check. <laughs> yes, that's sir. Um, uh, Chris Featherstone did say in a quick message, it all started off in the morning pilot episode. Uh, Pancakes and Files used to uh, used to come on early in the morning. Also, football. All right, now see that football makes football. sense. All right, I thought it had to be something like that. That sounds like a early morning early morning show. Okay, all right, that. That's cool. I, I like that. That that's that that's good. But yeah, we can eat pancakes this time of night. But anyway, go ahead with the interview. I'm sorry. Nothing wrong nothing wrong with that. Once again, thank you, Oscar, for joining us um live on a short notice. I uh, wanna ask you, um I know we said earlier on the show, wanna send off our condolences to the family of big bully um Bush uh Bushick who did pass away. Yes, uh, we wanted to ask you, Oscar, um, do you have any memories of him? Did you get a chance to work with him in the business? Uh, I did not. I did do. I, unfortunately, uh, he is one of the people I watched on television and admired, but I never had the opportunity to meet the man, so no. Yeah, definitely wanted to send our condolences to the family of Big Bully uh, Bushick. Um I, one of the, one of the tough things is that uh, you know me and me and Featherstone we run our shows uh, at, at least once a week, and it seems like every week uh, my show or Featherstone's show 
um, we're giving memoriam, we're, we're giving condolences of people in the wrestling business. And, of course, in my show, we talk about a little more than wrestling for uh pop culture. seems like so many people are just passing away. Um, I want to ask you real quick, you've been in the business for 20-plus years or so, uh, and I know you said this before in other interviews, but say it to the uh, listeners here listening live and we'll listen to this archive. Um, what death in the business impacted you the most, or would I say really uh, hit you the hardest? For, for not only yourself, you can talk about yourself individually, but then also to you as a group with Mo and with uh, the late, great Mabel. Okay, yeah, that question is a little bit vague. Hit me the hardest as in what? I'm sorry, uh, 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 I'm not following. As far as emotionally, somebody who in the business passed away that really hit you personally, that you followed, that uh, somebody that really impacted you in your career? Well, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the easy answer is, I mean, that had to be, you know, Mabel because, I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, but to go more in-depth with the answer, uh, now being in the business, any of the legends that inspired me to want to be in the wrestling business, I mean, recently we lost Bruno San Marcino. Bruno San Marcino was the first wrestler I saw on television when my father introduced me to wrestling um, when I was, you know, when I was a little boy. So um, he was one of the reasons why um, I got, you know, in the business, you know, um, following all his matches. Superstar Billy Graham, and I mean, I, he, yeah, I was, he was one of my favorites, and one of, like I said, one of the first ones. So meeting him, you know, was a thrill, and and then, you know, having him pass away. I mean, you know, like I said, all of the ones that I watched when I was a kid that inspired me to even want to be a part of this game. You know, their deaths especially the ones that I had an opportunity to meet, shake hands with, and get advice from, you know, those impact me greatly. Thank you for that. I want to ask you a few things too, Oscar. Who would you say was the most difficult person that you dealt with or that you had to work with in the WWE, WWF then um, at your time there? You know what? I used to answer that question easily, but politics now dictate that I'm a nicer guy now, so I'm not going to throw no names out there. I'll just answer it to say that there are no do-overs in life. Everybody, you know, can be difficult at some time, at some point. I'm sure I wasn't a jewel to work with for a whole lot of people. So, I mean, that's pretty much Basically, all I can tell you. I mean, you know, Mo and I used to answer that question with the greatest of ease, but, you know, now I've learned to forgive and put a lot of things behind me. So, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, that could be anybody. There's a lot of people difficult to work with, but I've had more people that I've learned from that smartened me up about the business that left a sad, sour taste in my mouth. So that's pretty much the answer. I gained more and learned more from people rather than had a 
bad history with anybody. And I pretty much, I try to get, I try my best and my greatest to get along with everybody. Now, you'll have some people, you have some fans that are called men on a mission corny, this, that, and the other. A lot of boys back then would say we didn't deserve any of the chances we got. But most of them would say and tell you that we were the nicest guys to work with. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, it was hits and misses, but we pretty much tried to get along with everybody. Thank you for that. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, Working with Vince McMahon, of course, the man himself, everyone has stories of working with Vince, their first initial thoughts. Of course, Sally, yeah, some of the boys, you know, that that buries Vince, you don't like them. And then you have a good amount of the boys, more so, praise Vince. If you can, rank Vince McMahon from a scale from 1 to 10 and why? Uh, Vince is definitely a 10, and I'm going to tell you why. If you had to gauge some of the top 10 chances, gambles, that Vince ever took in the business, I personally would have to have have been one of them because he was swimming in uncharted, unfamiliar territory in the game of rap. You know, I mean, he saw the novelty, he saw the vision, he wasn't sure how it was going to go, but philosophically and financially, he backed it, took a gamble on it, and for a large part of it, it paid off. He was always fair with me. He was always patient with uh, the lack of knowledge that I had about the business. He was very tutorial, and um, and, and I'm almost done. And, uh, and 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 so I mean, he was very helpful. He never yelled at me. Never had a coarse word to say. So I mean, uh, he he's still Uncle Vince. Oh, I'm Uncle Vince. <laughs> cool. I want to ask you a few things because I know time is uh, of the essence. Uh, very quickly, what tag team in the WWE currently would you, if you had an opportunity, manage? <laughs> what tag team? What I missed? Out of Usos. That's a, uh, I think the Usos are. Uh, one of the most talented tag teams, I think they're the coolest. I love their style, and I would love to walk down the aisle with them at least once. I think the Usos, I think the Usos are the business. Okay. Now, very quickly, you mentioned the New Day, which you can say you, Oscar, the late Mabel. Uh, I'm sorry, you are Oscar. Oscar yourself, Mo, the late Mabel. Paved the way for the new day. Now, very quickly, let the fans know listening now, um, and they'll listen to this archive, um, what the new day said to you um, when you uh, had spoken to them last year. Um, well, first off, uh, what sparked uh, uh, admiration was uh, about a month prior to me actually meeting them for the first time was they gave, they gave men on a mission a shout-out on live television on Monday Night Raw, which I thought was real, real cool. But um, they um, definitely, you know, acknowledged, you know, 
who we, you know, who we were, acknowledged our um, contribution to the business, and, um, you know, it was an honor to, you know, to meet me and vice versa. It was an honor for me to meet them. You know, I am glad and proud of the way that they are so over and as far as merchandising and their, you know, their, their entering skill and their style and the comedy element they bring. So, um, and it is so reminiscent of what Mabel Moe and I, you know, brought to wrestling. And every time I see, you know, life imitating art like that and people emulating what you do, I mean, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So, you know, when I see it, and it's not just me seeing it, you know, I read it on blogs and I read it on the Internet where fans acknowledge the similarity and all the kind of stuff like that. I mean, it makes me feel grand. So it makes me feel great. So I, I hope that they, you know, keep on keeping on for a while longer and have success at it. Thank you. Real quick. Someone else said Rapsicle says, we know, Captain Full Kids, John Cena, uh, had a rap video that came out. Um, he had a rap CD that came out. He does freestyling. Would you mind doing a freestyle if you had the opportunity, you versus Cena? Freestyle battle. What, um, what, 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 what I go against John Cena? Um <laughs> Oh, I hate the two more on home, but that ain't even fair. I mean, put me up against somebody was going to be a challenge. So, so what you're saying is that Cena's freestyle skills are basically like you, basically you would squash him, like in the squash match. Old school Mabel versus Barry Horowitz, that, that, that kind of level, back in superstars. No, nah, that's not what I'm basically saying. That's what I am saying. Okay. So, is there anyone in the business, in the past or present, that you feel is on your level doing freestyling? No. Okay. And I don't. And, and, and that. that that's 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 saying a lot because I mean I'm I'm at the point now where I don't even really I don't really rap no more. I mean I feel like I'm too old to do it, look silly doing it at my age, but I still can do it and know how. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not rappers in the industry. There are a ton of them that can, you know, wrap rings around me. But in the wrestling business, come on, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, two more questions because I know you have to go. Your thoughts on, of course, the big dog, Roman Reigns. I, I, you know, I don't understand. I, I don't understand what the problem is. I don't understand why he's booed by fans. I don't understand why he's villainized. I mean, I think that he goes out every night. I think his worst ethic is is unrivaled. I mean, he puts his butt on the line. He answers the call. I mean, he, you know, he does a really decent in-ring performance. I mean, his in-ring mic skills are not The Rock or they're not John Cena, but they're not bad by no stretch of the imagination. I think he's a talent. I think he has a really good uh, look for the modern age. So, I mean, I think I think Roman is great. Just sum it up in a nutshell. Thank you for that. Do you thank you for that? Giving your thoughts on Roman Reigns for 
Of course, give me your thoughts on everything else. Before we let you go, of course, great song. Since we this, song, this great show is called Pancakes and Power Slam, one, what pancakes, what type of pancakes do you enjoy? Two, what's your favorite flavor of syrup? And three, are you a fan of waffles? Love waffles, Cinderella pancakes, Alago or Kalo syrup. Thank you for that. Oscar, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for coming on to the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Uh, at this time, we're going what we call go ahead and um, do a little promo on what you have coming up. We call it the Plug Party. Uh, plug away uh, your upcoming appearances, how to reach you, and what you have uh, set up for in the future. Close the business. Yeah, I'll, that, um, I'll be in Richmond, Virginia, uh, May 19th. The two-man power trip convention. Uh, that's where I'll be appearing and signing autographs. And then uh, June 16th in Chicago at the House of Blues, where Bruce Pritchard on the Something to Wrestle With podcast live at the House of Blues, uh, which immediately will be going on live, a live show around 11 p.m., 11.30-ish, right after the NXT show in Chicago. Thank you so much, Oscar. Of course, I'll be with you at both events. We will give a shout-out to, of course, Featherstone and Pancakes, of course, while we're there. Oscar, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for gracing the Pancakes and Power Slam show, episode 319, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Everybody, that was a third of one of the greatest tandems, if you will, of wrestling, Men on a Mission, that was made up of Oscar, who we just had on the show, the great Mo, who is doing very well. Uh, I, I do speak to Mo uh, from time to time, um, at least once a month. He's doing very well. And, of course, the late great Mabel, better known as Viscera, uh, in the WWE. Now it is time. Just like Raw's War, now it is time for the second half of Pancakes and Power Slams. So if you hear this great theme song, I will be joined with the man himself, CM, not CM Punk, of course, the CM, Chris Miller, the the the, the, the boss horse, the headliner, the director of the Bleach Report. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three, our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear, we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings, you see in us. But our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood, Hendrix, Prizzle, pinning them. To the man, I'm that one mission with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. 
God for my defense in Alabama. We jamming. That's beautiful. Bobby eating me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance. Nah, the Harlem Heat. Tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking shit. You are what you speak. This too sweet. Till the number is took back. We repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking. No mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trust in God. We trust. Pushing forward. Never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people mistook that. Stamping out this crook rap. He turning the power on. On the razor's edge. Leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You crew. I'm in the Baptist with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. In the grand scheme, it's that easy. We tag teaming, Steiner brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash to the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. We are back, welcome fans, to the next part of Pancakes and Power Slams, episode 319. This is the co-host right now being in the captain's chair, if you will, Evan Tech Prout, I'm filling in for our great regular host, Chris Featherstone, who is listening, uh, recovering from successful, successful, successful back surgery. So shout out to you, Chris Featherstone. I'm joined here live in a, in originally my chair, but he's sitting in my chair tonight in the co-captain's chair, other than the boss horse, the man himself for the Bleach Report, the Bleach Report, and other than CM, Chris Mueller. How you feeling, brother? I'm doing great, Evan. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Normally, very few people I allow to call me, call my government out in the world of radio, but it's all good. We're all friends. You know, Feather Stone. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. That to have that, that addiction. I do want to say a uh, shout-out to Jeff Jarrett, who um, works me all the time when he would come on my show. He would always call me Evan. But, yeah, when we would meet up, we uh, ran into him at the, at the hotel a couple of times, talked to him right before the Hall of Fame. He sees me at first, he calls me Tech. But when I'm on the radio, he calls me Evan. And we talk on the phone, <laughs> he calls me Tech. So uh, <laughs> it's all fine. Very big show, very big show. A uh, lot to talk about on the world of Pancakes and Power Slams. Very quickly, uh, CM, if I can call you that, uh, since Oscar talked about his favorite style of pancakes, his favorite flavor of syrup, and if you prefer waffles, I want you to go ahead and answer those questions. Uh, well, I, I'm, a French, I'm a French toast man personally, but I do enjoy a good buttermilk pancake with maple syrup, and waffles are good from time to time. Hmm. I like all breakfast food, honestly. Not all breakfast food? Pretty much. Well, I hope that it's not blasting me that we're talking about waffles on a Pancakes of High Slam show, but it's okay. Nothing's wrong with that. I'll, I'll have um, my favorite pancakes is cinnamon vanilla pancakes, which I actually do cook. Got the recipe from my cousin. My favorite Never tried that. syrup is king syrup, which I'm sure Southerstone is saying, yup, see, but it's all fine. And uh, waffles are okay. I prefer pancakes. Uh, than waffles, if that's okay. Uh, starting off, right, we're going to mix things up, right, uh, in a little bit, uh, because we're always live. So, of course, as Jim Ross says, we're live, pal. 
not going to go by all of the script. We know how to deviate here at the Pancakes of Power Slam show. Uh, once again, sadly, uh, the passing of, 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 uh, of one of the boys in the world of wrestling, on the passing of Big Bill, uh, um, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Big Bill, um, uh, Mush, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue tied. Do apologize. It makes it sound like Dusty Rose. Uh, Big Big Bill Mush, Mushik, uh, uh, Bushik, who passed away at the age of 63 with a long, tough battle of cancer. Um, definitely remember him in the WWF then in the early 90s. He was managed by Harvey Whippleman. He had the legendary mustache. It was like a mustache beard thing. He still kept it to the day he died. Um, I love his portrayal of an of a, of a old school, just an old school heel. And if I remember correctly, as a kid, he had a cigar in his mouth and he used to wear like a turtleneck or like a mock turtleneck, if I remember. Um, very, very underrated. <coughs> um, excuse me. Um, what, <coughs> excuse me. Most people don't know is that he actually worked after wrestling. Um, I knew this for a while that he was a police officer in the city of Pittsburgh. But we do want to give our condolences to the family of Big Bully Bushick. I don't know why I keep saying Bushick. Um, CM, your thoughts or even memories of Big Bully uh, Bushick uh, when he was wrestling in WWF? You know, I'll be honest. I didn't remember him right off the bat when his name came up, but I, I did a little research on him, and I, I did actually see a specific IC title match that he had with Bret Hart back in the day that I actually thought was a little bit better than you'd normally see out of a guy who was considered an enhancement talent. So I think it was kind of a case of Brett probably respected him enough to let him get in some moves before he locked in the sharpshooter. But um, he he may have just been like right before I really got into wrestling. So he wasn't that familiar to me. But, of course, it's always sad when you hear about somebody from the business going, especially after something like cancer. Yeah, it's uh, very tough. Then you want to give our condolences. <clears throat> I remember the man's face, and I remember his. I remember his face and his name. When I got the news, like you see him, I was trying to remember like who is he. And when I mentioned the guy, I was like, oh, that's him. I remember him. The mustache, the mustache beard, and uh, as he would call back in the day, enhancement talent. Um, yeah, they definitely looked the part, though. Definitely looked the part. And shout out to the great Harvey Whippleman. Um, oh, yeah. Whippleman, who oh, yeah. doesn't get a lot of praise, and the manager, referee, uh, who, who did manage him. Uh, now, just past Sunday was Backlash, which WWE, man, did they change the colors for Backlash? Remember the old school Backlash when it was in your house and had the little hooks going around the sets? It was actually fun. I actually enjoyed that. Um, now, Backlash, this was all bright and, and had the. Real bright neon pastel colors of red and, and blue. Maybe maybe they did it because it was the first co-branded, if you will, um, pay-per-view uh, now starting this year. Um, Want to give your thoughts? Just initially, Sam, your thoughts of Backlash as a whole. Um, uh, did you enjoy it? Uh, did you feel it was just a some people call it glorified Raw, glorified SmackDown? Uh, what stood off? What what stood off for you for Backlash? I mean, really, the only two matches that are even worth talking about are the IC title match and the WWE title match. And really, the WWE title match is only worth talking about because of how 
people were kind of upset the way it ended, but everything leading up to the end was really well done. They they made good use of the no DQ stipulation, but nobody was going to be able to outshine Rollins and Miz. They they tore the house down, and they made it impossible for anybody to follow them. It's just too bad that WWE had a bunch of lackluster stuff planned for the rest of the night. I mean, the fact that Joe and Reigns had people walking out in their match kind of says something. Yeah, um, overall, I thought, like like you said, Backlash was was, was a solid pay-per-view. Um, by far the match of the night was Miz and Seth Rollins. Uh, Seth Rollins, uh, within the past couple of months, really has hit his stride. He's the best he's ever been in the WWE in his career. Um, I joke all the time with Featherstone, uh, me and my, my girlfriend, we always joke and laugh about that, burn it down. Every time I hear it, I laugh because, like, what does that mean? But yeah, me too. Hey, I mean he's the most he's the most over thing right now on WWE for his raw. Uh, you got to give credit to the Miz. I love or hate the Miz. He's the best heel right now in wrestling. And WWE I love the Miz. All the wrestling. Um, the Miz uh, put on a great show. The match was great. The crowd was great. I enjoyed it. Um, for me, like you said, it was the uh, same thing. Those the only two matches worth to talk about really is Tate Time on is the, the IC title match and the, the WWE title. Um, some people were a little upset by the ending, but I loved it because it told a story with Nakamura doing, you know, the the low blow that he does and me speak no English. Now that this match ends in an air quote no contest because they both do low blow kicks or you know whatever names you want to uh, um, nut kicks or whatever you want to call it. Um, I love the story. Good storytelling. I'm glad it ended the way it did. I think Nakamura and um, AJ Styles they really had great chemistry. But I, I, I just feel I don't know how you feel, Sam. Is I love AJ Styles. I've been following him since Air Paris, <laughs> since WCW Life Support days. I know the man uh, personally. I've, I've been dinner with him. We talked, and, and so is Featherstone. It's just I just feel like, what else can you do with AJ? I mean, he's great. He can talk. I just feel it's just, if it was TNA or Impact, whatever you want to call them, uh, 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 Global Force, or if it was New Japan, or even if it was WCW the NWA, AJ would be just a great champion. For some reason, I feel like even though WWE giving him a title, something's missing. He just doesn't fit the WWE-esque mode of their type of champion. Um, how do you feel about that? I could definitely see what you're saying. I think part of the problem is that we're supposed to buy AJ as the top champion, but he's the top champion of the B show. And even though I've personally been more a fan of SmackDown than Raw for the past few years, it's still definitely the B show. WWE is always going to put Raw ahead in priorities. And unless they move AJ over to Raw and have him leading Raw, it's always going to seem like he's playing second fiddle to whoever's the champion over there. So I definitely understand what you're saying. And also, he has reached a point in his career where it's like, what else can the guy do? I mean, he's done just about everything in this business against just about everybody. We've seen almost every dream match we could possibly see in WWE at this point. They've stuck him in the ring with everybody we've wanted. I mean, they waited one week to stick Daniel Bryan in the ring with him once he came back. 
So I think at this point, maybe the best thing to do would be to put him in a tag team with somebody who might need a little bit of help because Styles can always go back to singles competition six or nine months down the line. But their their main event scene right now is just a little too crowded. It would be nice for him to kind of step back and do something different for a little while. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's um, it's sad you say play second fiddle for whoever is on the A show and the champion Brock is part time. So is what are you playing second fiddle to? A champion who's not on TV, and I'm not diminishing Brock. I'm not one of the people to say, oh, why well, is a part time champ? Got the belt. I definitely understand it from a business standpoint. But, like you said, he's done everything you can do. Um, Seth will write it on the wall, you see down the line, with Joe losing the reins, which, of course, we've seen that a million, in, in, a million times. We just knew already. WWE, the unwritten rules of WWE, maybe when Seth's don't come back next week, we'll talk about this, maybe on the flavor of the week. Whenever someone gets the upper hand right when the match starts, they're always going to lose. So you knew going in, okay, Joe throws him through the announce table, Joe's losing. It's the same, maybe it's the Joe thing, because every match Joe's had, it starts the same way. He gets a big upper, he did it with Brock, starts off, he gets the upper hand, and then he loses. But down the line, the only thing left for AJ to do is to face Joe, which, I mean, we've seen him face off like a billion and one times in TNA, yeah. Impact, uh, Cross the Line, Global Force, Owl, all of that stuff, Ring of Honor. But remember, in WWE, if it hasn't happened there, you just was in some kind of vortex or space-time continuum, and it only matters when it happens under them. So we know I'm pretty sure it's going to happen down the line, SummerSlam or something, uh, with Joe and AJ. I want to add this very quickly with Backlash. Nia Jax doing an after-school special. Why, why can't Nia Jax just... Why can what well, first of all change the wardrobe, please? Two, why isn't that a squash match? I mean, I get the whole storyline. There's no way Najax against Alexa Bliss. Uh, Alexa Bliss should be longer than five minutes. Uh, I really like Carmella. I really enjoy her character. Um, Randy Orton just doesn't care. He just looks so slow, fool. And this match, Back to the Future, 10 years ago we watched this match, and it was, of course, 40 pounds lighter. Hardy can't even get no elevation from a swan time. I just called the salamander splat. Let me want this looks so slowful, so tired, so sleepy. Maybe he needs to do a Brock Lesnar. Um, <laughs> he needs to do a Brock Lesnar schedule. I mean, how do you feel seeing him? Me and Featherstone feel the same way. Do you get that watching Orton? You know, it seems to vary week to week, and it kind of depends on who he's in the ring with. Um, You know, there was – I can't remember who it was, but there was a match about a month or six weeks ago or something like that where I was like, wow, that's that's the Orton I remember from ten years ago. But you're right, the match at Backlash, it seemed like maybe he was holding back a little bit because of Hardy's limitations, or maybe they just – didn't have the same chemistry they had 10 years ago when they faced off at the Royal Rumble for the WWE title. But I definitely see where you're coming from. Also, we got to remember he's aging. He's going to start taking things a little bit easier after however long he's been doing this full time. And maybe it's just a matter of, maybe it's a little bit of complacency. I mean, clearly the company doesn't know what it's doing with him right now. So it's just sticking him in a random United States title feud. And, 
you know, he's he's a top guy. He shouldn't be working for a mid-card title, but there's too many other top guys right now to worry about. So he's kind of stuck in that spot where it's like he's the veteran, he's good at what he does, but there's a million other guys the company wants to push too. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I do agree. Uh, the unsung hero, you got to give shout-out to Elias. Uh, uh, one of the great up-and-coming, one of the very few we've seen in a while, homegrown talents of WWE. Um, the promo with him, No Way Jose, New Day, and Rusev Day, Featherstone's favorite. Um, I, I thought it was a very one, very well-done segment. A little off to me that Rude, first of all, Bobby Rude coming out this Shauna with his robe doing a glorious DDT to me was kind of odd. I, me personally, I would have left the segment as just straight comedy and just ended with everyone overbearing Elias and the No Way Jose thing, kind of similar. To me, it reminds me of the Adam Rose uh, whole party in this left. But Robert Rude coming out in his robe, looks like he just can't got out the, got out the shower, does a glorious DDT. Uh, overall, the segment, I enjoyed it. I, I, me personally, I wouldn't have added the DDT at the end of this with a left with straight comedy, but... I guess they needed Bobby Roode to do something. Um, shout out to two uh, good friends of mine personally uh, and uh, in the world of wrestling that was a part of No Way Jose's, um, um, uh, I don't know what you call them, party? What is, is it a posse party gang? What do you call them? Um, Conga line, I think <laughs> they've been calling people. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so two, two good friends of mine was there, uh, great wrestlers regionally. One of them is, uh, of course, related uh, to the Noe family, uh, the son of Say Mo, um, Lance was there, um, one of the people as well. Um, very quickly, before we go to the headlines, your thoughts, CM, of the segment and your thoughts of Elias? I love Elias. I, I mean, he is one of the best heels that they've got right now because he comes out and the place blows up for him, and it takes him one sentence to get every single person to boo him. And then they still chant his phrase when he says it. And then they still boo him when he sings his song. Like, he plays that crowd like the guitar. It's, I, I don't know why they're not putting the machine behind him right now. Because he honestly could be huge. And he's actually much better in the ring than he's been allowed to show recently. I think if we look back to that match he had with John Cena, that's where people need to look to see what he could be, because that was a good match. Yeah, it was. Yeah, one of the most over things with Elias. I, I definitely enjoyed the segment. I did. Uh, it's been a while since WWE's done what do you call comedic segments that I actually um, popped for and actually laughed. So a lot of times WWE they do these. Segments and the air cool supposed to be funny, and you sit there and look like okay, you just look at it. You gotta do something very quickly for you, Featherstone. I know you're watching, excuse me, I know you're listening, but of course, everything that me and CM do, of course, we do it for I you. I do it for you. <laughs> there we go. First time I've done it. First time I've done it. Uh, of course, puts a big smile on. Uh, Featherstone's face. One second, dealing with some technical difficulties. Fans, do you bear with me? We're about to go to the headlines. As a UCM did talk about uh, the passing of Big Bill uh, Bushick. Um, I would I would like one week where we don't have to do memoriams. 
<laughs> we don't have to say in tribute to you, memoriam to you, or uh, in condolences to you. All right, guys, time for the headlines very quickly. Here we go. All right, very quickly, with headlines, as you see them, I mentioned earlier, large amount of people left doing a backlash main event. Uh, they're tired of Reigns, tired of Roman Reigns, they're tired of him, they're tired of the matches, they guess they're tired of the predictable outcome. Uh, I know Featherstone just, uh, you know, I, I, Featherstone and a lot of people were saying, what's the point of leaving? Is it really a protest if you pay for your tickets? Um, a couple of staff members that were at uh, Backlash re- um, hit me up and they told me on Sunday, was like, do you people are leaving? I said, what do you mean they're leaving? They're leaving. They're getting up, walking out, doing the patch, um, which isn't something that we haven't seen before. I saw a little bit at Mania um, this year. Um, I did see a little bit at the Rumble. Um, now people leaving. It's getting up using the bathroom. Um, see, um, your thoughts of people getting up and leaving, do you feel is 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 worth it? Do you feel... Is going to, or do you feel it's null and void? Do you feel that is that will spark the attention of Vince McMahon saying, "Look, we don't like him. <laughs> We're tired of him. Do something different." Or do you feel that Vince is still going to be like, "That's what I want," you know? <laughs> I want Roman Reigns. Uh, what do you think? I mean, at this point, I think we all know how stubborn Vince McMahon is, and the problem is even though people are walking out and that might maybe give WWE some cause to reconsider the way that they're booking him, Reigns still moves a lot of merchandise and he actually gets big pops at live events because live events don't usually have the hardcore fan base as much. So you got a lot more kids and families and those are the people that Reigns appeals to. So, even though on TV and pay-per-views it comes across like he's the most hated man in the world, you know, if you go to a random Raw live event, he actually gets a big pop and works as a babyface really well. I just think the only solution, and I know everybody's been beating this like a dead horse, but they got to just give him a chance to work as a heel for a little while because even if people start cheering him as a heel, it's better that he's cheered as a heel than booed as a babyface. And eventually they can turn him babyface again, and maybe those people will continue to cheer for him. Who knows? But it's just kind of a it's kind of a weird situation where it's obvious they're not going to give up on his push, and the fans are not going to just start cheering him because WWE wants him to. So it's kind of like a stalemate. I don't really know what you do in this situation, honestly. Well, I, I said this, and I'm. Um, we're going to parlay this uh, to the next headline segment. Is uh, we, we, me and Featherstone? We were at Mania. Chris, were you, were you at WrestleMania live? No, no, no. I was covering it from home. I, I don't like to go okay, to right. events as much anymore. Personally, I, I'm just kind of like I'd rather sit on my couch and watch it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I definitely could get that. Um, and, and, and to, to, to what you just said, so you don't feel alone, a lot of the boys, uh, 
our friends in the business, ex WWE guys, headliners, a lot of them feel the same way. They're like, I don't want to go to a show. I've been there. I've done it. I just rather sit back and sit in a suite or a skybox or in my hotel room with with a bunch of the other boys and watch it. I don't want to be around. You know, and there's nothing against people. It's just they've done it so much, so I could definitely get that. I was to you, at, at WrestleMania Live, me and Featherstone was there. Of course, um, it was my girlfriend's first WrestleMania, too. You could see the fans, they, they was throwing beach beach balls, which I thought was hilarious, um, even though disrespectful. But you, you start the show when the fans are saying to you, we don't care, we don't like you. Uh, every time I say we don't like you, I think of a, a great famous uh, a promo that Telly Blanchard uh, was doing. I, don't, I don't think he was. Uh, uh, um, I think it was signing for the Mac, that Magnum TA match, the Steel Cage. He was like, I don't like you. And the fans, you see it. The fans were playing with volleyballs at WrestleMania. The fans walked out. People just don't care. Granted, he does so merch. He does get a pop. Um, I just heard. Uh, I, I think Scott Hall said this not um, uh, not too long ago where. He said, you know, Reigns is the man. Uh, fans are cheering on the Reigns, and they're like, oh, crap. We ain't supposed to cheer and boom, boom. So I get what Vince is doing, but the fans, like you said, they're just tired. They're just like, we don't, they didn't even do this with Cena. You remember seeing him, the, the decade, the, the, the 10 plus years of Cena, Captain Four Kids, and Super Cena, and Cena's going to win, and if Cena wins, we riot. And even with all of that, John Cena sucks, fans didn't get up and leave. Even though people no, who seen it, they respected them. It was more like, okay, we're gonna boo you, but we still respect you. You know, we, we don't like you, but we just like booing you. Fans didn't get up and leave. Now you got fans that paid their money, and to Featherstone's point, which I agree with him, you already paid your ticket. They already got your money. But it does say something that fans get up and leave and say, you know, I'm tired of this. Rangers gonna win. We already know. I'm going home. Uh, yeah. Now, I mean, in my recollection, CM, I don't remember it being another time where fans literally collectively got up and left because uh, fans are fickle, we get it. But I don't remember fans doing this before when it came to the air quote top man. Uh, what are you going to say, CM? Well, I was going to say, I, I agree with you that it's a different kind of hate for Reigns than it is for Cena. And I also think a little bit of it has to do with the way the world works now when Cena was first starting to get booed, it was also when social media was like first starting to take off. So all these different fans were starting to communicate with each other and people started to realize, Oh, there's all these other people that don't like Cena just like me. I thought I was the only one. And then it became this big thing. Now with Reigns, social media is so big. And I think a lot of people are affected by the opinions of others. So if somebody sees 10,000 tweets saying Roman Reigns is the worst wrestler in the world, might subconsciously make other people think, oh, maybe Reigns does suck. But, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's a really weird situation, and you're right. I, don't, I can't remember another time when people would actually get up and leave. Like, they used to just throw garbage in the ring when they were mad. You know, those were the go- those yeah. were the glory days. <laughs> yeah, it was. We 
Bastard Beach '96, and granted, yeah, Hulk Hogan on the NWO. That ring was filled with trash. Right, that's what started it on a popular on a popular note. Uh, Granted, it's not the first time fans threw things in the trash. Uh, You know, of course, Luger talked about wrestling in Puerto Rico. I'm not sure if you heard the story and where people would throw batteries and, and would throw oh, yeah. cans of uh, of urine at them and, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Flair, all of them have said it. But it was made famous, Bash of the Beach 96, the first and only time Hogan said, the New World Organization, brother. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's the New World Order after that. There's the New World Organization then. That's what made it famous. It was, it was, okay, we're going to throw trash. We're going to show this is all this taste. We don't like it. But the fans still did not get up and leave. They did not do a exodus, if you will. There was no Moses in, 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 in the front part of the Red Sea, let my people go. It was none of that. They still stayed in the seats. They booed. They threw stuff. They did chance. But still, hey, we respect you. Um, uh, Featherstone, uh, real quick, um, just sent me a message said, Reigns gets booed because WWE chose him before the fans did, and fans are jealous. Good point, Featherstone. With that, is uh, Hall, Hall has said this before, and other people, fans today, because of social media and technology and, and, and everything and all this overexposure, the fans are rebellious. Like Featherstone said, we didn't choose you. Because Vince is saying, yeah, that's it. I like it. Beef. I want the reins. Friends like, nope, we ain't choosing. We don't want them. Which goes on to the, the, the next headline very quickly. is Vince stating he wants to recreate the Daniel Bryan storyline to get reins cheered. Myself, Vince is a genius. Don't get me wrong. He is. Nobody's right all the time. I don't know if I agree with this. I just feel... The fans at some point are already at the point where it's like, we don't want reins. We don't. We don't care. No matter what you can do, the only thing that's going to turn the fans is turn them heel. And my argument to this is see what you think, CM. Case in point, Hogan. Hogan had a six-and-a-half-year run as Hulkamania. More, actually, more than that, but I'm just saying longer. Started in 1984. Went from 1984 to about 93 in WWE. That's nine years. By the time 93 hit, the fans was getting tired. He did Hulkamania for about just about two years, 94 to 96 in WCW. Around that 94, yeah, in Super Brawl, Super Brawl 5 and 95 was here in Baltimore, the great city of Baltimore. Fans booed Hogan, similar to Reigns. They didn't care. They didn't care about Hulkamania. They didn't care about Prey. They wanted something different. Whether it's a Hogan became heel, the NWO, that's when fans loved it. Even though he was a heel, that's, in my opinion, that really sparked Hogan. You get what I'm saying? It was the the it was the it new, it was the recreation of Hogan. You have the Hulkamania Hogan, which everybody knows, and then a lot of people know, okay, that's Hollywood Hogan. Both great for that time. I feel that's the only thing right now that can save Reigns. Like you said, Reigns has to turn heel. It has to do something. It has to do something. Because this recreation of Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement and all of this, I'm sorry. Fans aren't going to cheer Reigns. And granted, I'm not against Reigns because Reigns is good in the ring. People don't give Reigns credit. He's very good in the ring. 
his mic skills leaves a lot to be desired, but I think a lot of it is just WWE just having him by the strings. But he has a good match with everyone. Reigns does not have a bad match. Big Show, Strowman, Cena, Triple H, Rollins, Ambrose, Brock, you can have him in there for life. Anyone. Reigns has good matches all the time, so at least can give him that. Um, Sam, what's your thoughts? Do you think recreating this Daniel Bryan storyline, do you think it's going to help? Well, I don't think they really can, for one, because the Daniel Bryan storyline developed organically from people genuinely thinking the company didn't want him to succeed, which, of course, in reality was stupid, because Daniel Bryan was just being booked as an underdog. He was being made to look like the company didn't want him to succeed, and people have it in their mind that, oh, Vince McMahon doesn't like the indie guys, doesn't like the small guys. No, Vince McMahon likes people who put butts in seats and sell T-shirts. Brian did that. Brian won Vince over. Vince put the machine behind Brian and pushed him to the top. Brian got over with the crowd way before that whole storyline started, so it worked beautifully. They can't recreate it with Reigns because nobody is going to buy Reigns being the target of the company when it's so clear that the company wants him to succeed. So I don't think that's going to work. I think it's going to fail miserably just like it has with the last five ideas they've tried with Reigns. Reuniting him with the Shield didn't work. Having him start insulting the fans randomly here and there didn't work. It's really going to come down to they're going to have to do something or maybe – Maybe what's going to happen is he's going to get injured and be out for nine months, and then when he comes back, people will realize that they missed him. I don't know. Uh, to me, and I say this going to the next headline, I said this before. Reigns is good in the ring. He sells merch. I've seen a four kid, a little kid, try to Superman punch the big camera crane at the Rumble. I've seen kids see a man punch each other's brothers and sisters. You know, when you get fans to buy your merchandise, you're doing something right. You're making money. But right, is a few years ago it was Cena. What can we do with Cena? Should Cena be here? We're tired of Cena. Cena sucks. Blah blah blah. But it was okay. But we get it though. Cena, Cena, Cena. He's the man. No, Cena technically still is the man. I mean, he's part time. But whether you love Reigns or not. Roman Reigns right now is the only full-time WWE actual superstar pro wrestler that could be a box office draw right now. And that's minus that you could put on the face of Mania, that you could put on the face of SummerSlam, and he's going to sell tickets. So love him or hate him, that, that's something that's definitely true. So, But I, I do agree with you, Sam. Uh, very quickly, Kevin Owens signs new five-year uh, five deal with WWE. Uh, when it comes to looks, Reigns has the looks. A lot of people don't like Kevin Owens as far as he doesn't look the air quote WWE mode. Uh, I enjoy Owens. I've been a fan of Owens since he was Kevin Steen. Um, your thoughts, are seeing, uh, your thoughts, Sam, of Kevin Owens signing this new five-year deal? I'm I'm stoked. I love Kevin Owens. He's a great heel. He's a great wrestler. He's a good ambassador for the company. I mean, he's and the oh, whole thing Jolene. about him not the whole thing about him not looking the part doesn't really matter because, you know, yeah, he may have right. a little bit of a gut, but he can still do 
a springboard moonsault. So he can still have a five-star match with Sami Zayn. I mean, the guy works better than people who have the six-packs and the chiseled abs and all that stuff. So I'm happy. Kevin Owens is super valuable, and I I could see him being a huge part of the company for even longer than five years. Uh, I like Reigns. Uh, I'm sorry, Reigns. Um, Kevin Owens, I, 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 I talked to him right before he signed with WWE. Um, nice guy. He's great in the ring. Kept, what makes Kevin Owens is how he looks. He don't need to be chiseled. He doesn't need to look like a dollar store uh, generic wrestler type with abs. and He doesn't need to look like that. That's what Kevin Owens looked. Dusty Rose didn't look the part. Dick Murdoch didn't look the part. I mean, we, we can go down the list of what makes you who you are is your physique. And if Kevin Owens looked like Rick Rude or if Rick Rude had a Kevin Owens body or if Sting had a body like Flair or Flair had a body like Orton, it doesn't work because it's not them. That's what makes them who they are. So I like Kevin Owens. More power to him. One of, I say Under the Man is one of the best heels in Absolutely. WWE right now. Definitely in WWE. Um, oh, Naito and Jericho, Y2J, confirmed for Dominion pay-per-view, which I will have to say, fans, if you do not know, you think Russell Kingdom is long. Good Lord Almighty. The Dominion pay-per-views almost tops to seven to eight hours. That's a long order at Marathon. <laughs> USA. Uh, Dominion, fans, if you don't know, is... The second biggest show for New Japan is it basically equivalents to SummerSlam to what uh, Wrestle Kingdom is for WrestleMania. Uh, Jericho is always one of my top, uh, isn't my top five, but he's about top ten. I would say he's about six or seven. Uh, Jericho has transcended everything, social media, pop culture, WWE. Uh, one of the last professional wrestlers that actually was around during the territory days. I love it. I love New Japan. I'm not sure how the fans that's currently listening uh, feel about New Japan and Parizo, but um, I've always been a fan of it since the 80s. Um, your thoughts, CM? I think this is a good thing for the business. Um, I really like that Jericho has gotten himself to a spot where he can sort of just do whatever he wants. I mean, he goes and works with Kenny Omega, comes back for the Royal Rumble, comes back for the greatest Royal Rumble, all of a sudden he's back with New Japan again. I mean, He's obviously made a career for himself where people know and trust what he can do for them. So I think having him do this match with New Japan is great because it's going to help pull in some more American fans to check out the product maybe for the first time. But also, you know, Nato, he needs some new opponents. People were kind of maybe getting tired of seeing him work with Kenny Omega so many times and there wasn't a lot of big names in New Japan that seemed like they could take the title off him. So Jericho's a good opponent, especially if he's going to retain, because, you know, Jericho will just go off and do something else when he's done. But, yeah, I think this is good for the business as a whole. And then, you know, six months down the line, I'm sure Jericho will come back to WWE for something. Yeah, I also want to note, thank you for the stone. Um, a couple of my segments was just inboxing me as well. Uh, Ray Mysterio, Mr. Left Knee himself. Um, is confirmed for Dominion too. Well, so, uh, Rey Mysterio, yeah, he's a he's a he's a big draw too. I mean, 
there was all these rumors about him possibly coming back to WWE, and that seems to have possibly fallen through, or maybe they're still working out details. I don't know, but those are two guys who a lot of fans have been following for a lot of years, and they will follow them to a New Japan show. So it, it's smart of New Japan to do stuff like this, to bring in some big names just for one or two things, just to kind of create some buzz in the United States. Well, I agree. Also, I didn't notice Okada and Omega Four. Um, definitely great series of matches. Uh, I'm, I mean, you, it's, it's a great, it's a great series. You can't really get mad about it. It's, you know, Okada beat him, and then what was what was part two, the the rematch? I think that was the I would draw, and then the third match is that when Omega finally beat him. Am I correct? Was it non-title or did Okada? I don't remember the exact order. Wait, did Omega beat him before he won the title? Is that what happened? I think maybe the match is non-title. I I know, or or could be wrong. I know the first time Okada won, the second time was the actual draw. Um, And the third time, I don't know if Omega beat him was non-title or Omega finally got hit the one-winged angel on him. I know that was a big storyline in the match. Um, I'm sure Featherstone inboxed me. Uh, he's inboxing me now. So, you know, do apologize, fans. I forgot the outcome of, um, okay, I was right. Okada won, uh, which everyone thought was the match of the year. Uh, second, Okada 2, Omega Okada 2 was the draw. And the third match, Omega won. Finally hit the one-winged angel and defeated Okada, but it was a non-title match. But I'm for it. I, I, I love him. Um, I've interviewed Omega on my show before. I've talked to him. Uh, I would love to talk to him. Um, um, I've got to watch Okada uh, Russell a couple years ago at Cat Hawks Hardcore. Great guy. Um, definitely can't wait. And now time. It is time, guys. Guess what time it is? Smackdown and Raw. Raw versus Smackdown. Review time. Here we go. We'll be back in 46 seconds exactly. Listen to this great theme music. And if you can, fans listening, and even you, CM, please try to sing along with the lyrics. Smackdown review. CM, did you try to sing along with the lyrics? Uh, no, you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> I'm sure you hummed it. As I always said, the, the two best themes to Raw and Smackdown, you, you, you can't sing along with it. You don't know what they're saying, but it's great. Every time you hear the theme, you get pumped. Uh, I'm not sure what the kids are saying today. I guess Terrence, you throw Terrence, Terrence up. 
whatever they say. Um, that's how you feel watching old school Raw, old school SmackDown. Um, did you just feel that in your in your bones, Sam? Did you feel as the kids say turnt? Did it feel turned up when you heard the old school Raw SmackDown thing? Oh yeah, I mean when I was a kid the shows were so much grittier, so you definitely got that feeling. It was, you know, a little lower production value, wasn't quite as flashy and shiny, a lot more blood. Yeah, it definitely got your blood pumping when you were a little kid. I'm sure Featherstone's blood is pumping too. Uh listening to us uh back at home. Uh see um your thoughts of Monday Night Raw, I normally do the Raw voice, uh, normally do the old Vince McMahon um, voice um, for Raw, but I can't really do it because of my voice at the moment. But uh, your thoughts of Raw? Um, Raw was kind of an uneven show. I mean, I thought, you know, obviously Rollins, again, guy's a master, but it, it seemed like half the show they knew what they wanted to do and kind of accomplished it. And then the other half, they were like, oh, just throw some stuff out there. But, um, you know, it was a little bit better than Backlash, honestly, which isn't saying much. But um, I definitely thought SmackDown was the stronger show this week. That's for sure. What did you think of Raw? Uh, I'm with you. I, I thought Raw was, was two-faced. It was, it was good, but they didn't know what they were doing. It's good to see Ember Moon get some spotlight. Uh, I yeah, absolutely. Sasha Banks, she does. Sasha Banks is she? She's I, I call it the level of Orton, where Sasha Banks is good because she can just go on any way to call. She can open up a match. She can work in the middle of the card, and she also can be main event. Um, I love that Ember Moon is uh, is really getting the spotlight. Uh, just laughing at uh, it's funny how you, you watch WWE or Raw or any program and you just clearly see they just throw matches together for people that's doing nothing. Like Titus Worldwide and the way who's there against Baron Corbin in the Revival. I had no idea the Revival was that short. Gosh, they barely reach over the top rope. <laughs> it's um, I, I love Baron Corbin. Um, I, I, and no way Jose. Um, I, I never was familiar with him much in NXT. I, I, I enjoy his gimmick. But um, and Titus O'Neil, Titus Worldwide, <clears throat> I enjoy him. I I just wish they, with Titus Worldwide, I I just wish they would kind of take him a little more seriously, even if they use him in a comedic role, just so they instead of them just fluttering around, I just kind of feel like if they was used a little more serious, or feel like they had more purpose, I would enjoy it. I love Ebon Moon's contacts as well. Um, lastly. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> is he still hard hitting and soft spoken? This man, he has the part, he has the look. It's just he needs a manager. We do not need to hear Lashley talk. I know he did the sit down interview yesterday, and I'm like, come on, Lashley, you win the title, you need to have a mouthpiece. Give it to Heyman, give it to Paul Allering, somebody. Cause Lashley has the tools. He can wrestle. He can legit fight. He he looks good. He just he can't. His voice is so soft. As we call it a tender voice. That's just the thing. Um, and I feel like I don't know what you get watching him. I feel like WWE is super cautious of how to use him. I feel like they don't know how to exactly use Lashley yet. Are, are you getting the same thing, Sam, with WWE? Yeah, and frankly, 
I'm not even sure why they brought him back. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Bobby Lashley a lot, and I think he's improved a thousand times since he left from his original run, and he wasn't even that bad during his original run. He was actually pretty good back then, too. But um, he's a guy who you need to push as a top star because of his look and because of his physicality. He's never going to mesh well as a mid-carder. But WWE is a problem where there's too many people at the top right now. And Lashley was often, you know, TNA no man's land for 10 years. So a lot of the fans that are watching right now either didn't see him during his original run or don't care because he's been gone for so long. So they should have either brought him in and just pushed him super hard and put him right up against Lesnar and had him take Lesnar's crown right away, or they should have held off on bringing him back for a little while until they had a more solid plan in place because this random tag team with Braun Strowman isn't doing anything. Yeah, let's mention together. Strowman is so over. Strowman is so over that anybody that's in the ring with him if you're not already super over, he just, he overpowers you because it's the Strowman show. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. You you, you know, it, it's definitely not a bad thing at all. But it's just Lashley's is there. And all Lashley does is the stall and C-plex. That's it. And that's all he does. <laughs> so, yep. you know, it's, and I like Lashley, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's like he said, is. Teaming him up with Strowman is like, what's really going on here? You got Team Monster, you just throwing together. How many times are we going to see you guys beat Zayn and Owens? Come on now. Do something different. Um, Seth Rollins again, shout out to him. Uh, Balor, all of them uh, for qualifying for Money in the Bank. I'm just, real quick, I'm tired of Angle. I love Angle's in my top five. I'm just tired of Angle as a GM. I think he has to be the worst. General manager in WWE history. I mean, for this man to be Olympic gold medalist, the wrestling machine, he is so soft. <laughs> he's so he's like a jelly bag, and it's, he gives no authority. How did that Paul Heyman, when he was SmackDown GM, or Stephanie, or even Mick Foley, when uh, uh, who who was co GM with uh, Foley? Um, CM, but was it Deborah? Remember that they did the code GM thing for that for that. Remember that? Oh, you're Deborah? talking. About, oh, you're you're talking about um, way back in the day. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, was Deborah really? for a little while. Deborah. Didn't he also was Jillian Hall part of that too or no? What did she do? I don't think she Jillian. did something after the cabinet, but you know what? But you're I right, I, I totally did. agree she with did. you. I totally agree with you. Angle lately has not been used properly as a GM. I mean, he should be the GM who's not afraid of the superstars and gets in their faces and says, go do what I tell you to do or I'm going to break your ankle. He doesn't do that. And it's gotten to a point where it seems like he knows WWE doesn't know what to do with him, so he's just gotten a little complacent maybe. But, yeah, you're totally right. He doesn't give off an air of authority and something needs to change. I mean, frankly... I would welcome back Vicky Guerrero at this point, overseeing Kurt Angle as GM for much longer. Yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, I, I definitely do agree. Um, your thoughts on SmackDown? 
Uh, I enjoyed SmackDown. I Still thought. Stay alive. Yeah, I, I thought SmackDown did a good job with the Money in the Bank qualifiers right off the bat. The whole thing with Paige coming out at the beginning of the show was a little weird. It seemed like, oh, we need an excuse to put her on camera this week, so they just trotted her out there. But The Miz, again, just the guy does not stop improving, and his in-ring work is better than it's ever been. He's obviously one of the best on the mic that we've seen in decades. Uh, You know, he made it hard for anybody to follow him, but I thought Peyton Royce and Charlotte was decent. I think Peyton Royce and Billy, or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay are coming into their own as the Iconics. Um, Decent main event with Rusev and Brian, too. I mean, all around, I thought it was a solid show. The only low point for me was watching Becky Lynch lose so fast for really no reason. I mean, Becky Lynch is... Becky Lynch might be one of my she, favorite overall wrestlers right now in the whole WWE, men, women, anything. I just there's something about her that really makes me a fan and to see her lose so quickly like that for almost no reason. It's like, come on, WWE, she should be champion right now. What what's your problem? And I think I I just look around and I think the budget cuts got the Becky Lynch, no steam, no steampunk, you know, no it's like gosh. I mean, <laughs> Becky Lynch, why did you leave so quick? Man, you God, it's like a squash match. Like, man, what is going on? What is yeah, going on? it you didn't make much sense to me. I mean, yeah, and Rusev, I'm sorry, I keep had to remind myself each week, Daniel Bryan is wrestling now. I'm like, oh, that's right, Daniel Bryan can wrestle again. Um, Rusev defeating um, Bryan, uh, you know, he qualifies, you know, Charlotte Flair qualifies, um, Misqualified. I, I definitely, uh, definitely enjoy it. I, in a way, I kind of enjoy SmackDown a little more, not just because it was in my hometown, um, in Baltimore, Maryland. I enjoy SmackDown a tad bit more than Raw. I actually did. Yeah, me too. Uh, and with all that being said, it is time for the FOTW better known as the Flavor of the Week. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Now it's time for the flavor of the week. I actually wonder who that man is doing a voice. Is that Featherstone doing it? I wonder why. That doesn't doesn't sound like like, that. Doesn't sound like Chris. uh, real, real quick, uh, on a quick tabby note, if anybody wondered who the, who the NWO voice guy is, the guy who does the voice over for the NWO music, uh, Bishaw said that it's some random produ- some random production guy, some guy that worked in the back, um, some uh, we call him downloadable content, some random uh, worker that worked in the back for WCW, the production truck that actually was the voice of the NWO, um, doing the, you know, the NWO Nero Order type stuff. I get asked that all the time on my show, and all the time people ask, who's the NWO guy? So I found out. There you go, fans. little quick tidbit. Um, sorry, fans, I don't give out trivia like uh, the captain does, but um, this thought I threw one up to you. Uh, flavor of the week this week is unsuccessful money in the bank cash-ins. First, we're going to talk about, I think it's the worst, Damian Sandow. Man. That cash in was. You, you, 
he was so over. He won the money in the bank. He's so excited. He comes out and loses on Smack. Was it a SmackDown? I believe. Uh, no, it was an episode of it was an episode was of Raw, Raw against John Cena. Episode of Raw. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought SmackDown. Losing to John Cena on SmackDown. Man, I mean on Raw. I keep saying SmackDown on Raw, but uh. Man, that was so bad. What's your thoughts, CM, on this Damian Sandow cashing? I mean, not that I'm saying he was ready for the WWE title at the time, but it was one of the biggest missed opportunities. Damian Sandow was such a unique gimmick. And the fact that he made every single thing WWE put him with work well should have secured his job and somehow they let him slip through their fingers he was a great talker he was solid in the ring and he was funny and it was just so disappointing when I saw him lose and then it was just a downward slope from there yeah I agree I, him losing like that I, I, that to me that has to be the worst money in the bank cash in I, it gives me a bad taste in my mouth every time I think of it I'm just like, man, that was so bad. Definitely so bad. And like you said, that one, one, we talk about it here. The, 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 the wall of Cena, worse than the wall of Jericho. When, when, when you, when you're on top, and you run into the wall of Cena, and if you do not prevail, your career goes slump. Ex Damian Sandow, ex Rest in Peace Umaga, ex Rusevich recently. I'm sure we can give other other. Uh, uh, ask Wade Bird. We can name up some other people. For some reason, once they hit that Cena wall, and if they don't prevail, their creators goes downhill. Thank gosh, and no Featherstone hates him. Thank gosh for the, the Rusev day, because Rusev is finally over that hump. But after he lost to Cena at WrestleMania 31, he he was he was in a slump for a while, a good couple of years. But I'm um, glad that he overcame it. Uh, next, John Cena, who actually had three unsuccessful. Money in the bank cash in on my research earlier. Um, CM, your thoughts on Captain Four Kids and his Money in the Bank history? I think with Cena, I think they almost regretted having him win it. So they were like, well, let's just have him unsuccessfully cash in. That way we can make it seem like it's not a guarantee that having the briefcase means you'll win the title, but... With Cena, it was like, what was the point of putting the briefcase with him if he was going to fail? It just seemed like a really weird decision to me at the time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's the same thing I see with Cena. I'm not going to take too much time on Cena. Like you said, oh, well, we'll give it to Cena just to guarantee you're not going to win all the time. Um, when you say money in the bank is like basically this generation's king of the ring. Yeah, the qualifying um, matches like it used to be, and then you got the winner that guarantees you a shot at whatever title that you want in the future. Would you say that? Yeah, I mean, the King of the Ring winners didn't always get a title shot, but I understand what you're saying. It's kind of that that token prize that they give to somebody who should be a world champion, but they just don't have a title to give to them yet. But uh, maybe it's more like the modern-day Royal Rumble because the Rumble, most of those guys haven't won in the last 10 years. So, 
it seems more <laughs> like the, the early years when the Rumble was almost a guaranteed winner at WrestleMania, now Money in the Bank is almost a guaranteed winner later on. So, But yeah, it's yeah, I see why you'd compare those two concepts. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I did not think about that. It could be the modern-day uh, Royal Rumble. Last but not least, Baron Corbin. Oh, man. I, you know, I, I I take back what I said about saying that. I think Corbin, Corbin has to be the worst. Oh, that was yeah. so bad. <laughs> See him get your thoughts on Baron Corbin? I like Baron Corbin, but they shouldn't have had him win the Money in the Bank briefcase so soon to begin with. Um, he's, he's he's kind of a strange superstar because it's hard to tell what management actually thinks of him based on his booking. Like, sometimes they book him really strong and then all of a sudden he'll lose a bunch of matches. So, I don't know. But yeah, his Money in the Bank cash-in, it was like you kind of could see it coming that he wasn't going to be successful because he just didn't seem like somebody they would put the title on. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. I don't know if I think it was too early for Corbin. Maybe, I, I don't think it was too early to give Corbin the money in the bank. I just think that whatever had been backstage... I think if they would have, like, let it simmer a little bit and played it a little longer, I think it would have worked out okay. But you clearly know, he must have made somebody mad in the back, something political went wrong for them to do what he did. Um, did what he did for him. Um, CM, are you excited anymore about Money in the Bank coming up? Or do you feel that since Money in the Bank is an annual thing, do you feel that it's starting to get overexposed? No, I actually like it. It's one of it's one of the only gimmick pay-per-views that I look forward to because it seems like it's one of the few times when they'll actually take chances. Like having the whole James Ellsworth and Carmella nonsense last year. That was something that I didn't actually see coming and I, I was once I had time to process it, I was actually kind of surprised WWE would go that route. So, it seems like Money in the Bank is like the one time a year where they might take a risk on a superstar that we know normally wouldn't be given that kind of a spotlight. I mean, a lot of guys have gotten their first title off Money in the Bank, so it's clearly something that they like to give to people who are on the rise. So I kind of look at it as a pay-per-view where if two newcomers come away with those briefcases, then we know that those are two people that WWE is looking at as potential stars. So yeah, I am excited for it. It's one of the only pay-per-views outside of Mania and SummerSlam and Royal Rumble that I think is actually really exciting. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, um, everything you said, I agree with the Money in the Bank. I really look forward to it. You really don't know who's going to win. Um, look at Carmella. And I, I'm really starting to become a fan of Carmella and her character. Uh, not often. I really don't watch the, I call them the post-game shows to... WWE, um, when he did Raw Talk, SmackDown Talk, or the pay-per-views. I did, however, watch the post-show for Backlash. I really, in some ways, enjoyed it better than the whole pay-per-view. The Miz did a great job. Um, Elias was, was hilarious. Uh, I, just, I just had more fun 
watching the post game show than they did overall for Backlash. Even Carmella moonwalking and, and, and just her 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 energy and her character, um, kind of being surprised, but kind of like them with it at the same time. Um, I really did enjoy that. I've recently just add Monday Night Raw drew the lowest numbers in 2018 so far, only drew in about 3.689 views, which last week drew 3.066. Thought I'm, I did my research earlier today. Um, Raw's numbers are down. Remember back in the day, man, if, if you got a four point something that was low, you was looking at getting fives and sixes. You got a 4.5 or 4.0 Like no The end of the world Man WWE be good to get a 3 And now they get a 2.6 Very quickly Before we end end this great show CM Why do you think Raw's ratings are down Don't blame the NBA playoffs Don't blame Major League Baseball Hockey or anything else It's not saying you will Because some people would why do you think Raw's numbers are on the decline? Well, it's been on a steady decline for years, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way technology works. People have DVR. It's no longer appointment viewing. They can watch it at their leisure. So the people who tune in live are the fans like you and me, and then the people who DVR it and watch it later are the casual fans. So... You don't have that, oh my God, I have to tune in because if I don't, I'm going to miss it atmosphere anymore. But then on top of that, WWE is PG, and back in the day, it was a little more risque and a little more controversial, which also made more people want to watch. And it's also almost, it's almost become a shell of its former self as far as being what you'd call like a counterculture thing. Like the reason it appealed so much before is because it was kind of an an anti-mainstream thing. Now it's as mainstream as you can get. So some people just got tired of it and thought it got bland and you know, it's they're just not producing anything exciting anymore. It's repetitive. It's the same thing week after week. And unfortunately, I don't know if there's necessarily a way to change that. And luckily, WWE found a bunch of ways to keep increasing their revenue without bringing in more ratings on Raw and SmackDown. So they're just going to keep chugging along. Yeah, I agree. Just want to give real quick, pro wrestling, uh, great Mike Shaw. May 9th is his birthday. So it was his birthday. Just want to give a happy birthday to them. I do agree because of the age of technology. You got DVR, you can record it. You ain't got to watch it right away. If you don't DVR, you can just watch it on YouTube or watch it on Hulu or watch it again on the replays or just watch it somewhere else. So like you said, it's not the the incredible demand where, oh, we got to watch Raw, we have to watch Nitro, we got to watch SmackDown because if we don't, like back in the day for us, it was no DVR, it was no internet. We had no choice. You missed it, you missed it. Unless a buddy of yours ended up recording it on a VHS tape, or as we called it back in the day, a video cassette, you 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 was left out. And when people in school used to tell you what happened, you just had to replay it in your mind and say, Hey, that happened? Okay. 
Now you, and you just hope W. You know WCW didn't do it. That production video was bad. But you better hope WWE would do a recap video so you can see what happened. But that being said, yeah, guys, absolutely. this is this is made a knife, and this is also meaning the end of this great episode 319 episode 319 episode of the Pancakes and Power Slam show we want to thank Oscar for Men on a Mission for gracing his presence on this show talking to us about the beginnings of Men on a Mission how he thinks John Cena will go against him did he, did he think Cena lyrically is on his level in freestyle if you want to know listen to the earlier early part of the episode the beginning to hear Oscar thoughts even on Roman Reigns Want to give a shout out to you, uh, Captain Chris Featherstone, who's recovering, brother. Love you much. Shabbat moments, because we do all this for you. And I'm sure CM does it as well. We want to thank CM Chris Mueller of the Bleach Report. Now, is it true? Are you the boss host of the Ble- Bleach Report? Are you the, are you the boss of it? No, no, no. I, I've been writing there for almost ten years now, but no, I'm I'm not a boss. I'm just a writer. I. uh but I do all the live event coverage, so if you go on the website and you see all the live updates for Raw, SmackDown, or any pay-per-view, that's always me. Okay. I'm not sure why I thought. You know, maybe I was going by email. I thought she was at the right there. It's because I've, you, you know what, I've, I've been there longer than anybody else. That's probably why some people think I'm the boss. Oh, that's why. <laughs> that is why. Don't apologize for saying Bleach Report, because that's a segment on my show. But the Bleach Report... Please check out Chris Mueller. We call him CM for his great articles. Thank everybody for calling in that's listening now that we can't see, but listening live. Thank you for the fans that will be listening in the future on the archive episode. We talked about so much money of men cash in, Vince McMahon recreating, why people hate on Roman Reigns, and what could save him. If we did miss out on talking about anything else, don't worry. We will talk about it next week on episode 320. Everybody listening, this is your co-host of Pancakes and Power Slam and interim host, Evan Tech Proud, full Camarilla CM, full pancakes, all the different styles, all the different flavors of syrup. We want to say to you all, good night. We love you much and talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Good night, guys. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.